For Pete's sake. I'm Kat. And I'm Liz, and we're Chatting Catholic. We're self-study theologians of the domestic church. And we love reading what the Bishop of Rome has to say for himself. So, wait, wait, why do we want to study the writings of some dead guy in Rome anyway? He's not dead, (laughs) but old, rotting guy in Rome. (laughs) I think for us, just uh, in our friendship and discovering that we were both Catholic, (laughs) and that we were both reverts back to the church, we've had so many discussions about the Pope because of... As um, other denominations, we've both been in other churches, that whole lingering question of by whose authority just never really left us alone, I feel. It really just kept sticking in my mind, by whose authority? When I was reverting, one of the things, oh, I wanted so bad to be anything but Catholic, but one of the things that (laughs) that I kept coming back to was Jesus says in Matthew, Um, that the apostles absolutely must obey the Pharisees because Mm -hmm. the Pharisees sat in the seat of Moses. And I'm like, and and the Bible is exceedingly clear. If you're not clear, you should be clear. Jesus don't like Pharisees. Um, (laughs) And so it just occurred to me that if the apostles were supposed to obey the Pharisees that Jesus hated so much, then who was I to say that I didn't have to be in union with this person whom Jesus put in his chair? Yes. Jesus put somebody in his chair. He gave them the keys. And then he went back, leaving Peter with the keys. And I was pretending that I was smarter than that. My plan was better than God's plan. Or he started a church. He got his council of 12 apostles left. And then that church immediately, the Holy Spirit left it. Yeah. When he promised specifically that he would never... But we're getting a little far. We're going to do, well, later we'll do an episode just on why we believe that Peter and all of his successors belong in the chair that they sit in. Um, We, why are we, who are we making this podcast for? I really um, wanted to focus this podcast in the style of what did, what did Kat need 12 years ago when I was reverting back to the church and I, I really was thinking of just no, Catholics I... 12 years ago mm-hmm. and Catholics now and like kind of my um, path but I did I did remember that when I first reverted back to the Catholic church it was really hard because I felt like there was never amount of time on this earth that I would gain enough knowledge that I felt was equivalent to what a good Catholic needed to know there were too many saints Half of it's in Latin. Half of the writings are just confusing. (laughs) It's not even Latin, though, because, like, we've also got all of it that's in Old Russian. We've got all of it that's in Syriac. Like, there are rites, and there are old languages that have not died for 2,000 years, and you can't memorize all that. Can you read Chrysostom? I cannot read Chrysostom. (laughs) No. And it was just amazing, because I just always had that thought of, like, I just felt like I kept going and learning and it wasn't enough and I would talk to Catholics who had been cradle Catholics and they had the vocabulary, they had the language, they had everything else that I I did not feel like I had. And I remember speaking to my priest about that and he reminded me that the Catholic Church is as shallow for a mouse to walk across and as deep for an elephant to swim in. So he's like, they are both within the Catholic teaching because we know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Yes. We um, are in communion with Rome. We yep. believe in confession. Like all the things in the creed that we believe is efficient enough to be a Catholic. Yes. And he's like, all of that stuff will come in time if you want to study it. Yep. It's there. And so I just remember, I want this podcast 
to help that person that needs it to be a shallow for a mouse to walk across, explain things well, be clear on vocabulary, explain who the players are that we're talking about. But then also for that seasoned Catholic, I also want you to have a home here to where we can get deeper into some of these um, encyclicals and get deeper into some of these philosophies. So we want to ha definitely have a home for both the mouse yes. and the elephant. <laughs> And just because it's so hard, you know, the devil is constantly at work, especially in the media, constantly telling us yes. what this Pope says and what that Pope says, and this Pope is good and that Pope is bad. But the Popes have left their own words behind. The words that God said, he would protect this church right. from the devil from the beginning, and he always has and he always will. So let's read what they had to say, have to say themselves. Yes, exactly. They maybe don't th say all the things that CNN says they say. Or whoever, like, right. some people, sometimes the news is absolutely right, other times the news is like, yeah, but maybe not so much. I know, we talk a lot Even about, Catholic like, we sources. like, yes, we <laughs> like first sources. We yes. like first person sources. Let me read your diary, let me see what are the words that you actually have said. How do you justify yourself? Yes, <laughs> exactly. And I love the fact that, like, when we, when we talk about Pope Francis being misquoted a lot, really we have to understand this is a... And he's in his 80s. This is an 80-year-old man. Who doesn't speak English. Who's never had to deal with social media. Or base, or having a camera in his face 24-7. Yes. <laughs> so I just feel like we always need to balance out the, uh, give him a little bit of grace. Because yes. I don't think I could handle uh, someone always taking every, hanging on every word I say and being like, yes. well, you said this on this date. He's a pastor, not a theologian. Even though he is a theologian, he actually was a professor of philosophy. We'll get to that. But he is a pastor at his core. And he says things that are truer than true. Like, mm -hmm. don't go hanging your theological hat on it, maybe. But it's beautiful. He loves people so beautifully. But the last pope, who was a theologian, also loved people beautifully mm -hmm. and they love each other and the pope before that and the pope before not all popes are good not all popes are good but <laughs> the last couple have been a pretty good crop yes that's what always amazes me because like i will hear um complaints about pope francis and it really kind of strikes me i'm like we've had really bad popes and this is the one that's yeah, the heretic gonna, right like if you're gonna eliminate some popes can we uh eliminate the guy who dug up his predecessor <laughs> yes. to sacrilege his body desecrate his body yeah that guy that guy sucks not yes. this guy and and it's amazing too because in in pope francis's works he was lifted up in like the liberal secular manner as this is our pope that's going to allow uh marriage for priests and all these different things and gay marriage and it's like but if you go to argentina hasn't. they're like he's way too conservative yes for that, guys. <laughs> it's amazing when you study his work in argentina he was just like they hated him because they were just like yes he was so, so strict <laughs> so strict all right, so uh, Jorge Mario Bergoglio was born on 17th December 1936 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He was the eldest of five, big bro. He, his dad was an Italian immigrant accountant who had fled Italy with his family to escape Mussolini, um, specifically because his dad's family was opposed to that regime. Um, his mom was a native of Buenos Aires, but her family was Northern Italian. Uh, he attended technical school and he became a chemical technician in a food lab, but first, as everybody 
reports about him, yes, he was a bouncer and a janitor. Mm-hmm. Um, he found his vocation in the confessional, where he was inspired by that priest. He became a Jesuit. Uh, their motto is AMDG, for the greater glory of God. And they consider themselves servants, or even occasionally the army of the Pope. Their founder was a soldier. Um, he's got a licentiate in philosophy and taught literature and psychology. He's been a novice master, a theology professor, provincial superior to the Jesuits in Argentina. He did some studying in Germany, Germany before he returned to Argentina, where he brought back devotion to Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Order pro nobis! He survived Argentina's dirty wars. Afterwards, he would condemn the Argentinian church for not having done enough. In that time, he in particular, they suspended a bishop who opposed the Argentine Revolution military dictatorship. Um, He would actually indeed apologize for the church's failures to protect the people from the junta when he had the authority as bishop to do that. Um, He was accused of things he himself had done in the wars, but nothing stuck, and accusers mostly recanted. One called him a coward, um, but not a traitor. The dirty wars are full of sad things, and a lot of conspiracy theories do float around, but authentic sources seem to agree that he did as well as anybody could during that awful time. He was not, however, always considered a good Jesuit. In 1992, he was asked not to stay in Jesuit houses because he opposed theology uh, theology of liberation, and he was too orthodox for some people but he was not traditional enough in his devotion for others. Um, This estrangement lasted until he was made Pope, according to Wikipedia. He became Bishop of Buenos Aires and chose the motto Miserando Atque Elegendo. Um, Also, please forgive my Latin and my Spanish. Um, Or Pity and Choosing from a commentary on Matthew 9-12 because he saw him through the eyes of mercy and chose him. He was called the Slum Bishop because Francis being Francis, uh, one of his major initiatives was to increase the church presence in the slums of Buenos Aires. He changed the way Buenos Aires church worked fiscally. He got rid of the special dispensations that they had, which forced the church to get a better handle on its finances. Um, He was asked to be the ordinary for the Eastern Catholics of Argentina. And the major archbishop gave him props for understanding Eastern thought and generally taking care of them. Also, if you thought that Francis hated Benedict, you should know. Two days after Benedict announced the extraordinary form of the Mass, Cardinal Bergoglio established a permanent weekly location and time in Buenos Aires for that rite. Um, As cardinal, he would hold five administrative positions. One, on the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments. Two, Congregation for the Clergy. Three, Congregation for Institutes of Consecrated Life and Societies of Apostolic Life. Four, Pontifical Council for the Family. And five, Commission for Latin America. He would also serve as Relator, aka Recording Secretary. Then, as now, he was known for refusing to live in the provided residence in Olivos. He instead lived in a small apartment where he cooked his own meals and lived very simply. Uh, He seriously limited his time in Rome. He called them lightning visits. He's reported as having been a front runner in the election that would result in Pope Benedict, and then of course he was elected when Pope Benedict stepped down. His papacy is marked by confusing press statements, extraordinary mercy, amazing humility, and a refusal to put up with any of the love that 1.2 billion Catholics have for him. Um, or specifically for his office. Uh, Americans in particular would do well to remember that he's never spoken English, like we said before, and he really tries not to think about America if he can help it. Um, Also, you should 
Also, remember that his entire Wikipedia entry basically reads this, not that other thing media outlets incorrectly reported. I love um, hearing just his background. I just really love to get into that mindset of where is his comments coming from? What is his background? What is his worldview? Yes. Especially because I, my background is more traditional Catholic. We go to traditional Latin Mass. So Pope Benedict was our Pope. Yes. So that was such a confusing time and I remember crying to my husband when we heard the news because we're like what what now what is this what is happening he's stepping down and so I remember almost having a hardening of hearts when Pope Francis stepped up and it really was just a hard time with that transition and I remember he kind of (laughs) I did start listening to his Wednesday audiences because once again I don't want to hear little quotes I don't want to hear little tidbits I want to hear from the horse's mouth what is this man saying what is his principles what is he teaching us so I started listening to his Wednesday audiences just to get a good feel I don't want to judge anything let me figure out who this man is and one thing that he really said for me that I think really uh, softened my heart a lot in those early days was that he in one of his Wednesday audiences he says he was talking to traditional Catholics he was not being judgmental but he did say just make sure that you don't become too rigid to where your Holy Spirit cannot work within you. Yes. And so I see a lot of that in just what you read right now of just simply like some was saying he was too orthodox. Some were saying he was not traditional enough. Yep. And I Which think is it's... Which media now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that totally makes sense for his statements of, you know, he likes the traditional Latin mass in a way that it's balanced. Yes. Um, everything that I can see in his works, even in Argentina, it's... It really shows that balance of he can he can be both. It doesn't yes. have to be so rigid on one side that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit cannot work within him. So I that is kind of where in my mind I've softened towards him and started listening more to his work. Absolutely. I love like the idea that you can just please uh you know go to your traditional Latin mass be veiled but take the veil off and go feed some people. Yes. You know go wash feet. Um he has a habit of uh he always celebrates Holy Thursday the foot washing mass. Mm-hmm. He always celebrate he celebrated it in prisons, he celebrated it in nursing mm-hmm. homes. If your faith doesn't have feet what are you doing? Yes. And he absolutely he's here for that. <laughs> that goes back to our mouse and elephant yes. uh, analogy too because it's just like you're still Catholic if your faith is in, within that shallow level that a yes. mouse can walk through. Yep. If you're still Catholic. Yes, the Catholic faith isn't just social justice. It is social justice, but it is more than that and also both. It's not like you can just pick one or the other. We are always a both and faith mm-hmm. and... Pope Francis absolutely embodies that. Conservative? No. Liberal? No. Merciful? Yes. <laughs> um, I also really loved a talk um, on Pope Francis by Brenda Norega. Mm-hmm. She was on Innovation Talks, which is like a Catholic TED Talk. And she was his Spanish translator yeah. for a lot of his work. Um, and so, especially with his work that he did in Spanish, Christos Vivit, um, she has a talk on that called Lost in Encyclical Translation. And she talks a lot about how he did it in Spanish because usually your first language you can express more through. Yes, poetry and she, is possible in oh, your first yes. language. 
it's so beautiful and that's what her talk was on was reading it in Spanish and then hearing it translated by others in English she's like it didn't do it justice and it was like things that were so lovely and um, family were translated into like just a basic mm -hmm. English of he was walking with his friends and yes. it's like but in Spanish it was this beautiful like he was part of the community yes um, so just hearing the two translations is another thing that we need to really put some grace on. He doesn't yeah. speak English. And his translators are doing their very best. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for joining us on the maiden voyage of For Pete's Sake, the prologue to the prologue. Find For Pete's Sake on Facebook and Instagram. You can find links to Fratelli Tutti and some of our sources in the show notes. See you next week. St. Peter or a Pronobis. Pro